Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, my name is Jade. I'm your other host and I'm also a witch. So we are going to try very, very, very hard to keep on like swinging and sprinting to get through Motherland Fort Salem season three. Our last episode, we did episodes one through three, and this episode, we're going to do episodes four through six. That way, we're doing them in three episode chunks, and we can hopefully just kind of keep moving and catch ourselves up pretty quickly without ourselves having to spend hours and hours on these episodes that we kind of hate. Hate's a strong word. I find relatively boring. Let's put it like that. So yeah, so we're going to do the same thing we did last episode where one of us will each take a single episode to just kind of quickly summarize and then we will do a discussion, usually partially throughout the episode, but you know, and then the final episode we've just cut in half where one of us will talk for a little bit and then the other one will talk for the ending bit and that's kind of the whole, the whole shtick, the whole show. And away we go. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I'm also apparently trying to waste time to, like, not talk about this show, I feel like. like Just get it over with, like a Band-Aid. It does <laughs> feel like that. I'm not going to lie. Like, I was watching them uh, today and the other day, and I got so bored that I literally kept trying to turn it off and then would go to watch something else. And I was like, no, I'm watching it for a reason. This isn't just pure entertainment. And I'd have to go back and restart it. And I was like, oh God, the the joys, the joys of it. So without further ado, Motherland Fort Salem, season three, episode four, Happy Yule. Uh, (laughs) I actually did have some high hopes for this episode because one of our favorite episodes, as we were talking about in our celebration episode, was Beltane which was like another holiday episode. So I was like, oh, it's another holiday focus. That, that those work well. That could be good. Um, it was okay. Yeah, we liked the original Yule episode way back when, but. Yeah. This one, I feel like pretty much all these episodes that we're about to talk about, like the beginning half, not great last half picked up a little bit more for me I I think just for me in this one uh Yule kind of felt like an afterthought they were like oh like we should probably have them be doing something I was like what if it's Yule and I was like sure because really it does not play much into the story I wish it played more I guess is my feeling on that um Anyway, we open to the inauguration of our vice president, who is being sworn into office as now the president or acting president with the death of President Wade during the explosion of the last episode. Jade, do you know the VP's name now, president? I do not. And I realize this could get very confusing. Planton Silver. Silver. (laughs) My notes are like BP slash president now. Like I, I never learned his name. I will put that in my notes. I will now call him BP Silver. I know he's president. Just stick with me, everyone. So he's being inaugurated. 
Also, there's a lot that happens in these episodes that make me truly question the government system of this universe because there doesn't seem to be a Senate or House of any form. Uh, there doesn't seem to be like branches of democracy. There's just like the president who just does what he wants. And there also doesn't seem to be like an FBI or a CIA or anything. It's also just like the, the president who does what he wants. I I was very confused about how this government system runs in this universe. And that confusion followed me throughout all these episodes. Oh, lovely. Uh, yeah, they do have a Congress and all. They mention it, but in practicality, it doesn't really seem like it exists. It There's too much too detail much. there. We don't need it. Just screw it. I, again, this is something I'll get to more of the episode. Anyway, um, basically the vice presidents, uh, now presidents, VP Silvers, knew first thing he's going to do is he instigates a c- civilian supervisor general at Fort Salem, who's like this fat white bald dude in a red suit. There is a Santa Claus joke somewhere in there. I just never found it. So there's, I'm, I'm leaving it to all of you for that. And it's like this general dude and a couple men who are going to supervise uh, Petra and just Fort Salem in general. Don't ask me how three men are supposed to supervise the entire fort, but it seems to be a thorn in everyone's side and that, that's life. So uh, there are women there and there are more than three. I, I, I only saw three the whole time. Okay. So you see what you want to see. Apparently, my God, uh, I think only like five come in originally, but basically every senior member of the military gets their own. And there's some more general people of this civilian oversight. I think just because in most like big scenes, there's only a fat general dude and like two other people. He's so, a colonel, like, Colonel Jarrett. I'm so glad you decided to learn names. I did not in season three. I'm just going to kind of nickname everyone. Sorry, you'll know who I mean. I'll describe them. All right. Uh, yeah, so that's happening. And that's a real like that sucks to Petra. And again, uh, government system don't really know how this is done. Like he just does it and everyone's like, cool. Um because we spent a lot of the first season having it be kind of a political warfare between Alder and President Wade and how Wade seemed to have ultimate, I'm sorry, Alder seemed to have ultimate power over military decisions and like how military functions are run. But now it just seems like Wade could have done whatever the fuck she wanted, but she just didn't because she was a cool kid. Uh, yeah, actually, I think you're a little bit more spot on there. And they do say, you know, I don't even think they say it until like episode six. It's maybe. not till way later. Yeah, it's not in this episode for sure. But they do kind of mention how Alder took a lot of liberties and she paid for them. We just didn't realize it. So I feel like that's a big play too. Petra's not taking those liberties because she's not going to pay for it. And also, Wade wasn't a dick, so... I mean, like, Wade wasn't a dick, I guess. Okay, this is very early into this whole discussion, but this was, like, I think why I kind of got bored and stopped wanting to, like, wrap my head around things and why I did just start ignoring things pretty actively. Um, 
I was just thinking back to season one at the beginning of all this when Alder was like a dictator of this military branch and Wade was like every system of our country should have checks and balances you should not be the supreme power you are and you should have people to like report to slash overlooked you and vice versa because otherwise you get in situations where you can have a dictator or someone with ultimate power and that seemed to be what Alder wanted because she was also like low-key immortal so it was like oh Alder's a villain because these are all very strong points Wade is making these are kind of like the foundations of democracy and how to stop a dictator and now we're like to that point where finally we have overlook of a like military operation but it's not like right like it it just feels like we were like that is what we were fighting for in season one and we got it but now it fucking sucks because it turns out the real dictator was the president who should have these checks and balances already empowered so I think I just never I, I could never like connect this season in my head with like the other season events and it made me extremely disinterested. I did totally forget about that in season one. I don't think we have enough time on this podcast to debate the geopolitical no, 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 stances no, no. of all of this because I do have theories, but honestly, I'm just going to put it down to we've seen it already before the writers don't always follow through with what they started at the beginning. So we're just going to say they also forgot about the detail. We're changing it for plot convenience and we're going to move on. It very much just feels like this writing room never watched season one. And now it's just like a careful what you wish for storyline. And I'm like, but I didn't know. (laughs) Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm super tangenting, but that's like my overarching problem with the season, I think, is just like how disconnected it feels from everything we know. So anyway, I'll keep moving on. Uh, So we now have this sect of just like people in Fort Salem who suck and don't belong and are obviously like snakes of BP Silver. We also cut to one of the weirdest scenes I've ever seen. I I legitimately just did not know what was happening. Um, crazy doctor dude, the guy who tried to operate on Rael, who was like in charge of the witch bombs and everything, had that weird incesty scene with a uh, lady in power. Uh, the last session block, he had his vocal cords cut out and replaced with witch vocal cords at the end of I believe episode three. So we like open as he's in like a shiny red suit performing on a stage singing like America the Beautiful or something and like he has a very noticeable bandage across his throat where he just had like just performed surgery and his voice keeps like cracking and breaking because they're not his vocal cords but he's like playing it off to this crowd of what I can only describe as hunger game s capital citizens and i was like where am i yeah so his name is alvin hertz uh just because he comes up a lot he's a big deal yeah hertz is the name i'll put it Uh, in my notes 
like the car I, company. I wrote this down as Camarilla Gala, but I was also quite confused about it. It's very um, just like jarring that there's. It's just like a grand dinner party of I assume elites, because uh, VP Silver is there, uh, the cabinet of his is there, and then just like random very rich racist people are there i don't know like again it has very hunger games capital vibes where it's like ooh, like isn't it fun how much we hate these people and we're going to see them get killed oh my goodness the hilarity and i was like what is going on where are we where is everyone <laughs> like because we yeah. are like 10 minutes into this episode and we have like yet to see our like main cast. And I was just like, I don't want to be left here. I feel alone. Um, yeah, and we discover that at this, this dinner party, they have these like glass cages um, that they reveal into this grand dinner party. There's like a curtain over them and apparently everyone's like, ah, oh, mystery. And then they reveal it and there's just like a couple witches enclosed in each one. And they like describe it like it's a coarse meal where he's like the appetizer, the entree, the dessert. And then they just reveal all these people. I was like, oh my God, are they going to eat these people? And Cause I don't know where I was. I was like, this might be where we're going and I got very scared cannibalism is like one of the few like horror elements I cannot handle I I was like I might have to turn this off I I'm very very scared they're not but like it's very bizarre and then in one of these glass enclosed cages is Anacostia and her boyfriend who were captured after the explosion of the White House so they're alive that was exciting but now they're at this weird gala where they might get eaten. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else to say on it. I too was slightly worried they were going to be, but then I noticed that, oh, they're different power levels. So they start off with like an old lady and a child who I assume are witches, but anywho, not sure. And then they have two young cadets and then they have, I believe his name is Sterling and Anacostia. I think I'm his like, name okay, is Okay, so we've Sterling. been just jumping up right. power levels. So that's why they're different courses. But anywho, it was definitely weird and confusing until much later when they finally get to it. It makes way more sense later. Um, I think the only other thing that comes from the scene, I can't remember if it's here or not, but I don't care. I'll just discuss it now, is we discover that like the glass cages holding units they're in are like indestructible it like bounces their magic back to them it's like weird sound reflector it's very strange which leads into like a whole other thing i'll probably talk to at the end of episode five but don't worry about it um anyway also we we're yet to see our crew like where is abigail no one knows uh but at fort salem we find out head necro woman whose name we thought we knew and then forgot and i never looked up again isadora isadora um is like working on rebuilding vp silver's daughter uh penelope and like she's just 
she revivified her. She, she's resurrected Penelope and Penelope's like weird. She's off. She still has like bouts of anger and like a decaying factor to her. But like the Necro's like, nah, she's getting better with training and more magic. I'll make her humanish. It's fine. So now well, Penelope's uh, back. <laughs> yes, which is interesting. A uh, weird call. <laughs> I'm curious to see what they end up doing with it later on. I assume nothing. I am assuming nothing. Um, I I have like a an idea of what's probably going to happen, but to me, Penelope always seemed like an obvious uh plot point more than she was a character. And so, like the fact they're like, we have to bring her back. I was like, why? Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so now she's back and, uh, Petra takes it in stride. I got to give her this. Petra's just like, okay, you do you necros. And just is like, that's fine. I was like, I think I would maybe be a little more concerned about what my necromancers are doing in their free time after this, but Petra's just like, I'm busy. Sure. You play a lot. You play around with your little zombie girl. I'm going to be over there. I love Petra. Uh, We finally get to see the runaway crew, which is Tally, Abigail, Adil, Scylla, Nikita, Nikta, Nikta, sorry, and Kalita. They're still in the session on like house arrest in that very nice uh, session house. They're being guarded by the marshal. Uh, not too much really happens there for a while. They try to stage like a weird escape and are like immediately failing. And then the marshal's like, look, I don't really have time to put up with your bullshit. If you could just like not keep doing this for a little bit, that'd be great. Especially because like it's Yule and I want to celebrate and have a nice night. And you guys are just harshing my vibe. And they're like, oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> it's like, really funny. Yeah, he's super good at magic. Uh, he magics them, he spells them into their rooms to go to sleep for the night, and then, the, yeah, the next day is Yule, so. hmm They're just, like, grounded for a night, and then he's like, let's not do that again, and they're like, okay. And that's just kind of, like, the end of that confrontation. Uh, then they're kind of, like, wandering the grounds. It turns out, like, the whole place is warded by the marshal and his men. But we don't really, like, know what that entails. They just kind of keep referring to it as a a thing. And we also discover, wandering the grounds, is General Alder. She's come to retrieve Kalita. And she does so. She Kalita's like, I'm going to leave with her. And General Alder gets the first song from Tally that Tally was holding on to that was in the little, like, vial they stole and she's like, this is extremely important, as is your sister. And then she just takes Kalita in the song and leaves. And that that's kind of, that's it. <laughs> well, one important thing, one may probably not really important, but thing I found fascinating. So the Marshall is just as old, if not older than Alder. I did not hear, I did not note that, I suppose. Uh, so the technology, the magic to create the crowns, the biddies as they call them, to keep Alder alive, 
they learned that from the marshal. The marshal specifically taught Alder that. Oh, shit. That's cool. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, yeah, the marshal's cool is kind of the end of this. He's kind of mysterious and he's kind of a fun guy. He just seems really over the fact that he's babysitting and I respect that. <laughs> yeah, well, now finding out he's like over 400 years old. Um, yeah, yeah, I completely <laughs> understand. I'd be over it too. He's like, he's like, please don't make me do this right now. I don't really care. And yeah. Um, so we then find out, uh, with the arrival of Petra that she, she's like called in and she's allowed in, um, the runaway crew now minus Polita is going to go to trial against the session council. And Scylla has been here before. She was raised partially in the session as her parents were Dodgers for a while. And she knows that the session council can be harsh, but they're relatively fair. Like everyone trusts them. They're elected. They are well represented. And she thinks that that is not a bad course for them to have to go into. Uh, They're a little scared because they're like, oh, we're definitely here illegally. We definitely snuck into the session and, you know, fought the marshal. And we're a little fucked over on that. But surprise, bitches, they got uh, ace in the hole, a little secret in the up their sleeve. Because who should walk in but President Wade? Oh, my God. This was the most thrilling part of the episode for me. I was like, oh, thank God. Uh, yeah, she's alive. And not only that, she's accompanied with our favorite witch, M. <laughs> I love M. I love every time M's on screen. It's great. Plus, they immediately, I noticed this, they immediately make every scene better just because uh, the actresses that play Wade and Petra and the performer who plays M, they're just like, dynamite like they are just powerhouse of performers and so anytime they get to just interact with each other it's like oh my god I don't care the script is terrible just like keep keep having a conversation this is amazing like it's just it's such a good time okay I have such a quite so this is my dream team as it turns out Wade Petra and Em I just want to hang out with them um, yes, but we discover that Wade and Petra were aware that an assassination attempt is probably going to take place. So with the assistance of M, they were able to get Wade out of the White House in time. And they switched her with a golem courtesy of the Necros that built it for them, who is the one in the casket that got blown up and everything. And they got Wade out and now Wade is presumed dead, but on the witch's side. And M's like personal security now. M's just, M got so promoted so fast. Uh, so that's about everything. They're here to help. And they, they're, they're going to do that. It's exciting. Abigail and Petra again, nice moment. Um, they haven't seen each other in forever. It's, it's adorable. It was nice. It was nice. Eventually Petra does have to leave, go back to Port Salem, but they have a cute moment. In other news, what's occurring, uh, Alder retrieves a woman in the session who was the original, like, family member, owner of the first song that Tally was holding on to, 
And Abigail, sorry, Alder explains to this woman that she is the shepherd of the first song and that she should come with Alder because she's collecting them for the time ahead that will change everything. Alder sounds like a cult leader now, but I, mean, I guess she kind of did fine, before, but, but yeah. like worse now. I guess it's fine is the point. Um, This story branch, this whole like first song story vein um, really bores me. I'm not going to lie. It's probably the most boring part of the show for me. I don't really care what it is because I know it's going to be stupid. So yeah. I think I'm about in the same boat. Like every once in a while, it has a brief moment where it's slightly interesting, but I think overall... It really could be interesting, but I don't think they're ever going to do it justice. Mm -mm. Especially because we're now like, by the time we finish this episode, we're halfway through the show and nothing's been done with it. So there's no way they're going to pull it out in the last like four episodes and have it be awesome. There's no way. Anyway, uh, finally, we kind of get the namesake of the episode. Everyone celebrates Yule. This was actually the part of the episode I think I enjoyed the most as far as story beats goes, because I like kind of the downtime that the people usually have together when they're allowed to interact with each other. Uh, They do like a little Yule log where Wade like engraves sigils into it. The marshal flirts with her. It's adorable. Where he's like, I didn't know you could whittle. She's like, I learned things very fast. I'm very multi-talented. And I was like, wait, okay, like love that for you he's cool I get it (laughs) and they do like this cute little yule log thing where everyone like stares at it and it's apparently like a witch childhood kind of game slash tradition that you like stare at the burning yule log and see if you can like see the future in the smoke and Tally makes a little joke about how she would always tell her mom she saw like new sneakers and stuff and it's cute I was like this is this is adorable yeah, um, so everybody carves their own sigil into it. And once their sigil actually catches fire is when you gotta, maybe you can see a glimpse of the future, mm-hmm. which I really liked. It was cute. Unfortunately, this is like the only Yule thing they do in the episode. I wish they'd done like a bit more, but at least they did this. This this was nice. I liked this. Well, the um, next part is a little start of Yule. I... Yeah, it's a little Yule. It's a little Yule. It uses the Yule song. Okay, sure. But, okay, sure. Um, yeah, so Scylla kind of decides to do like a necro kind of Yule ceremony thing where I don't know where she got this heart. Did she say where she found this heart? She's like walks in holding a heart. And I was like, again, everyone took it in stride. They were just like, cool. And I was like, where did you find that? Um, I mean, I assumed whatever animal was for dinner that night. Oh, the goat. The goat that the marshal was holding earlier in the, probably was the goat. Right. That that makes sense. That makes me sad. (laughs) Poor goat. This is in Jurassic Park. Um, so they do a ceremony where they like bury the heart into the ground and it's like considered the heartbeat of the earth or something around those marks. And then they sing a Yule song to it. And it's supposed to be like a Yule 
tradition slash it's like she it's a symbol of how much she loves Rael. Um, a lot of a lot so, of this episode slash the next episode is Scylla like doing things and going on rants where she's like, I just love Rael so much, and everyone's like, I know, shut up. That that's just like how it goes down. And towards the end, I was also like, we know Scylla, shut up. Like same. Uh because wasn't it before so on the first time we were introduced to Yule, they had to defend the fire. Mm-hmm. And then if they successfully did that, they got to get that that's candle and bring someone back from the dead, whatever. Yeah. So that's what is basically happening now is more advanced version of bringing back the dead, quote unquote. But really, it's just trying to bring back Rael from the mycelium. But Rael's not dead, so it doesn't work. Um, yeah. yeah, moral of the story, it doesn't work. And it's sad for Scylla. And again, she owes all a little speech about how much she loves Rael. And everyone's like, we know. Don't worry, sweetie, we haven't forgotten. I was like really mean to Nikta in the last episode because we were like, why is she so blatantly mean to Scylla? Scylla's going through shit. By like the end of episode six, when Scylla was like, Rael is my heart, my family. I would know. I was like, Scylla, shut up. We get it. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I love love as much as the next person, but my God, girl, like, this is serious business. Can we not for five minutes? Yeah. Oh, but um, also, it does kind of work because, like, after everybody leaves, unfortunately. The R and the mushroom does at least show up on the mound. So I totally just was not going to bring that up because I was like, it does not matter. <laughs> she did completely fail. Okay. <laughs> I got to give her at least one win. Sure. It, sure. Um, after this, everyone just kind of breaks up to do their own Yule thing. Yeah. They almost literally pair off. Yeah. Which again, I, I didn't mind because I just like, scenes of people just interacting with each other and like talking stuff through so um abigail and adil just talk about like where they are where they've come from it's kind of brought up again the idea of children and if that's something they could see in their future um abigail does admit that she would like to have kids but like obviously not right now um just like not this instant like adil's like okay and she's like whoa better whoa whole um so you know they're just a solid couple and sweet and it's nice way did the marshal hook up <laughs> go get it girl like is that what they actually do yeah okay i didn't realize i thought they did because they were like very flirty throughout most of this and then there's this like ambiguous scene where they're like very close together in an elevator going upstairs and i was like mm. I was being innocent. They probably did. I was like, oh man, they hooked up. <laughs> Again, like, good for you, Wade. Old man's got game. And so does Wade. Wade's been here for less than 24 hours. And she's just like, who's the coolest one here? You? Hey. <laughs> what up? Like, it's it's great. I love that for them. Um, Nikta just bounces. Like Nikta's like, I don't want to be here for the council meeting. What if they discover I'm the leader of the spree? That's super dangerous. And she's out. And honestly, I forgot she was here 90% of the time. And I was kind of glad she left. 
so she's not gone gone yet uh she just went to bed because she hates yule because it was uh she was abandoned to her grandmother as a kid and her grandma was like oh if your mom actually loves you she'll come back on yule and then her mom never came back so now she hates yule Again, they really like shoehorn that in where they're like, oh, yeah. isn't it tragic? I was like, I, who are you? <laughs> we like, just didn't want to have Nikta, so here's us getting rid of her. Yeah, I, again, I can never really get over how quickly they like to like wax over that Nikta and Scylla are like mass murderers. And they're just like, ah, oh, they intended well. And I'm like, I don't think they did. Like, I mean, depends on how you look at it. But also, as they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So I, again, this is a, dis- still this is just like a disconnect I kept having between this season. The first, like I kept thinking back to like the mass murder scenes where we'd see like children commit suicide. And I was like, that was all Scylla. Like, I can't not see that 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 was that was a huge beat in this story that we're now just like oh it was i'm sure it was didn't it wasn't that harmful of like that was that was pretty that was pretty fucking bad oh um, she saved that one witch girl tiffany so she's good she did say and she really loves rael that's that's a big thing <laughs> that's a huge thing how much she loves rael so don't don't worry um, the most interesting interaction that comes out of the evening is Tally and M, which was like a weird, like just pairing and just like general conversation pairing. It, they just seemed to like be the two I least expected to have a scene together. Um, where Tally kind of talks about her sight and how it's really getting the better of her and making her extremely anxious and she doesn't know how to like guard against it or really if what she's seeing is like good or bad all the time and it's making her feel like an outcast in her friend group and just like basically the world because she feels like she's kind of being separated from the normal events of time uh which brings in a really cool conversation with M where that touches slightly on M being non-binary and how they felt like they didn't belong for a long time in the army because they were like very much shoehorned into two very specific gender roles of the army and neither one felt right and it was very traumatic for them they straight out say that they're like we I went through a ton of trauma because of it because I was an outsider no matter where I went and uh, Tally brings up like how they overcame it and they eventually admit that uh, General Alder was they were lucky and General Alder took interest in them and they kind of found their passion training like cadets like they, they're good at training other witches and that's where their skill lies and they like to do that and I was like this is really really strong. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they went so in-depth and Me too. it was awesome. Yeah, like like I said, this was like really nice and I was really surprised by the pairing on it where I was like, oh, I thought this was going to suck. We're actually <laughs> going to talk about real social issues. Oh my 
gosh. Holy shit. Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, but eventually the night kind of wears on. Tally and M are laying on the couch and looking into the Yule log. And Tally gets a vision of the mycelium. It's yeah. very artsy and very terrible. By which I mean, they use this weird like fish lens on the camera. So everything's like warped and not really fitting right. And the music they choose for the background is just terrible. It's god awful. Um, And Tally, I think, sees Rael within the mycelium and like calls out to Rael. But then everything explodes and things start dying and Tally's like, oh my God, this is the end of the world. And Tally has this very traumatic vision. And that's kind of it. Yeah, kind of. I mean, we see like five or six people kind of come up to Rael mm-hmm. as she's like exploding, but we don't really get anything for it. Yeah, it's, and it's going to be a big plot point, but it was very much like, what? Um, Leave Ender the World Visions. We're back at the weird Hunger Games dinner night where, yes, Anacostia and Sterling are meant to fight a couple witches, like, to the death. Real quickly. So we've kind of flashed to this gala throughout a couple of times. Yeah. Nothing really happened in it. No. Except... No. So blonde chick that is, like, right hand to the now President Silver. Yeah, has all the money. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think also does the staffing. But anywho, yeah. her name's Kara Brand. She and Hertz siblings. I think so. Because I didn't realize that, and then I was like, they had a line where, like, earlier they were talking about Hertz's experiments growing up, and like mom and dad didn't like that, but at the same time. It was weird. I was like, wait, are you are you siblings? Were you neighbors? Like, what? Yeah, I think they are siblings because she does just say casually mom and dad, not like my mom or your mom or anything. So I was like, oh, they're, that's your brother. And yeah, there's this real psychopath like backstory to him where he used to just like steal dogs and kill them. And she's like, did mom ever worry about whatever happened to all the dogs in our neighborhood? And I'm like, I hope she would. I would. Um, Which again makes, I I kind of like offhandedly mentioned this at the beginning where I was like, there's this weird incestual relationship between Hertz and the blonde woman. Because in episode three, they have like a very awkward scene where I was like, there's like a mommy fetish occurring here. And now that she's, like, actually his sister, I'm like, oh, God, no. No. Which is why I honestly just didn't bring it up, because I was uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable, but I had had to make sure that I was reading this right, because I... You saw what you saw. Oh, I was hoping I was wrong, but damn it. Yep. Yeah, it is very unfortunate and terrible. Anyway, at this gala, uh, yes, Anacostia and Sterling are going to fight some witches to the death in this little, like, glass pod thing to 
entertain the masses. There's like some in-between scenes and passive lines where Sterling does get to see a VP Silver and makes a comment slash small story about how Sterling used to be also on private security for Penelope and remembers like how much Penelope loved her dad and like wanted to show him one day that she could ride a bike and was like, look at me like dad, like, look, I'm doing it. And obviously Sterling knows that the VP has daughter murdered. So it's like to hit those strings. And then he does do a really good segue, which I liked, which is why I'm bringing up now where he's like, I can only stand here and say the same thing she said to you. Look at me. And it's like, oh, that's good. Sometimes the show has a couple lines where I was just like, fuck. All right, I'm here. I see you. Like, <laughs> um, I liked it. It made me kind of like Sterling a lot more because up to this point, I barely knew who this man was. I was like, oh, you got like, you got some spunk. You got a backstory. This is fun. Uh, but nonetheless, the VP kind of turns away from all this and doesn't want to look. And then as they bring in the people that they're meant to fight, Anacostia even makes a passive comment that like 50% of the people here aren't even watching. Like they've lost the stomach for it, which is interesting. And I thought it was something they were going to like pull through as a thread, but they don't. So don't, don't worry about it. Um, which made me sad. So we find out the witches that they're going to fight are spree or they once were spree. So they're thrown in the little like pod with them with a knife and Anacostia tries to like diplomacy her way out first and the spree are like, fuck no, we're going to kill you. And so one of them, uh, like basically just makes Sterling pick up the knife and kill himself. Again, the sprees suck. I I don't know how we could keep trying to redeem them. They're kind of awful. Uh, which he does. So he just keeps stabbing himself in the gut, just kind of breaks Anacostia and Anacostia kills the spree. There in the pod with her, goes to Sterling, uh, tells him he's going to be okay and is like trying to save his life as like onlookers cheer. That's that's kind of what happens. Uh, yeah, uh, she's having him, Spree is having Sterling stab himself in the kidney, which, you know, fun fact, if you get stabbed in the kidney, that's like an instant bleed out. There's, you're not coming back from that. You're going to die within like five minutes. Yeah, uh, gut wounds, they kind of suck. You bleed out. Gut wounds suck for a lot of things because you could last for days with septicemia and yada yada, but kidneys, no, you're you're done for. (laughs) That's the end of that. Uh, Yeah, so that's that's what's happening there. Uh, We go back to the house on the morning following Yule where our whole crew is. It's kind of funny because they're watching like the memorial of Wade with Wade which was kind of fun I was like oh this is like low-key hilarious like I kind of like this but it very quickly devolves into propaganda speeches by VP Silver who just uses it as a segue for basically a hate speech that will be televised this pisses Wade the fuck off especially because she's alive and she should be president and she's like, he's just acting like he's president right now. I'm the president. And we were like, we, we know Wade. Like, no one here is fighting you on that. 
but I liked it. Uh, then the marshal walks up to her, whispers something in her ear, and she says she has to leave. That plans are changing. She's not safe there anymore. She's out. There's an immediate fight where she's supposed to be there to talk to the council. And she's like, you got to roll with the punches, kids. This, this is life. And she takes M and the marshal. Again, dream team. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, let's follow them. And they bounce which just kind of leaves the main like runaway crew left in the house the marshal does say that they just need to be patient and know when to pick their battles and basically he's going to reward the entire place before they leave he again has this real throwaway line that I like because they kind of like talk over it but I liked that he had it where he's like I'm gonna reward it anyway and they're like yelling at him and he's like the wards were never meant to keep you in and I was like, oh, that was cool. That was a good throwaway line. I enjoyed it. And then basically they're gone and it's just runaway crew with the TV going in the background with the VP's hate speech about how they will extinguish the witch's voices once and for all. And and that's that's Yule. Woo. That's happy Yule, everyone. It there was good points. There was stuff in there where I was like, oh, this is this is getting good again. And then there was stuff I was just so bored during. Yeah, honestly, I've made all of my opinions about this episode already known. So yeah. my opinion right now, moving right along to episode five. I am with you on that. Let's just keep this train of chugging. All right. So, episode five, session in session, which I thought was clever. Mm-hmm. Uh starts out just boring as fuck uh however the pedantic nerd in me (laughs) so we're following some cadets going to mother tongue class and mother tongue class is hereby forever canceled postponed indefinitely because it doesn't make sense for the oversight council per the oversight council that they're learning a language that only witches can speak. Like, of course, that's going to set them apart, and that's not what we're about. Senhu, things I found interesting, though, uh, the lead girl, her name's Guadalupe Cortez. She has she longer has, name than that. Yeah, she Sorry, gets, like, but... a full name intro, where I was like, are you important? You just got named. Like, Yeah. She's important in this scene, and that's about it. <laughs> we never see her again. She's the mother of Minishie, though. And uh, apparently Minche is mother tongue in mother tongue, which I thought was interesting. And they are in a start to Kevin, which is like the Hellenized version of Ishtar, which is also uh, basically the same thing as Aphrodite and Venus, depending on which culture you're going to ask about. Um, I think it's Inanna in Sumerian. You know, there's like, six others that basically it's the same stories but it's different goddess names very common in religion (laughs) that's really cool i did not look into that much i i liked her though she was fun um she was spunky and like intriguing enough to like make me be like oh man she's just trying to like have a good day when like the day was taken from her it wasn't just like who are you i was like oh yeah, that does suck. Like, oh man. Yeah. I also like the mother tongue professor is 
on fire. What a king. Yes. uh, (laughs) He, you know, we got some, like, meaningful glances, meaningful stares towards uh, Lupe, as he calls her, like, don't cause trouble, just let this happen. But also, he horrifically insults Colonel Jarrett in Mother Tongue, and then just translates it to, have a good day. It's like an, an impressive amount of insults. Where I was like, man, he came up with those fast. And like, it, the reason I was also like, wow, what a king, is because he's like, he teaches what, 18 year olds? The 18 year olds around him are like, oh my God, these are words. Like, it, it's hard to stun an 18 year old who like curses casually. And they're like, oh my God he said those things like i loved it the most unassuming guy yeah yeah and he's just like a random dude with glasses like i would probably not know him again from adam but i was like okay yeah you're a boss we get it uh (laughs) linguists don't mess with them yeah man uh so the council is going to convene in the session this episode it did kind of drive me nuts because they had, they went back to the traditional motherland where they have a ton of teeny little a million cutaways. Cut yep. So some I'm going to mention, some I'm not. Uh, anywho, so. Yeah. Glump, mention, forget entirely. That is the vibe of this episode. <laughs> Council's going to convene the session. Uh Turns out Sterling is alive, though. Anacostia was able to at least stem the bleeding. But he and Anacostia are now on surgery tables, about to have the throats removed. And then we cut back away. Abigail is telling Tally not to worry about that vision she had. No, it's probably not actually the end of the world. I mean, have you really tested your vision? Like, have you seen something and actively tried to prevent it? No. So then we don't know if this is going to happen. This, okay, I'm sorry. I do, I do not mean to keep, like, interrupting. This did bring me into something that I, again, was, like, a little too fixated on this episode, which made this episode very confusing for me. Callie's visions or, like, her sight do- don't really seem to have rules. Um, I always assumed that it's not, like, a fate thing. It's just, like, a timeline thing. Where she's not having, like, premonitions. She just sees farther down timelines yeah and like the best way I can describe it is she's not Phoebe from charms they're not warnings to be heated they're just like random events because like most times she uses it to be like who's around the corner how many people are in the car like it's it's nothing extreme so when she was like oh like you know, like who says fate is written? I was like, wait, this is like fate. What the fuck? Like, I, I just, I have so little context for how Tally works that it's like, now the big thing is like, can I fight my visions? I was like, maybe, I guess. I think you're right though, in that she just sees in timeline. Yeah. And I think that's basically really all her power works because like, even when she's tracing tracing the sounds and stuff like that that's still sort of just seen along the timeline we Mm -hmm. can still explain it that way 
like specifically too when we saw her expand to find Kalita. Yeah. We, we remember that she, she was specifically just like fast forwarding. Yeah. Find the time when we find Kalita and then work backwards. Yeah. So anywho, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's still in the timeline. I don't I this feels like fate, but anywho. Yeah, I it just it felt weird, especially because Abigail was the one who like recognized the fast forward. And again, most of the things that uh, Tally sees are very benign. So the fact that's like Tally's like had a vision of the end of the world. I was like, wait, what? Like this, it wasn't just like her getting a drink. What? Like very random. Sorry. Did not mean to interject. (laughs) But I think also maybe more subconsciously, but I feel like Abigail's just freaked out by that. So she rationalizes it in a way to herself and then therefore to tally that this is not how it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So anywho, to remedy this, Tally sees a glass breaking accidentally, so she's going to test it. She's going to save that glass. Nick I to- knew exactly how this was going to go down from the second she did that little, like, a glass break. So I was like, fuck, I could have written this episode. Like, yeah, I agree. Uh, Nikta is going to flee, though, since the words are down with the council here. Adil is super cheesy. They're playing so it up. Cheesy. I loved it. Uh, he greets each council member in their native language, and I don't know why, but I regret. I didn't write it down. So there are, I think, seven council members? Six or seven. I could not remember. There is, and I, I know I don't have the full list, but there's, it's, you know. I can look it up. Session is the natives, and it's a nation within nations, is how it's described. So they have a Muskegee, an Iroquois, a Cherokee, Navajo, Ojibwe. No, you know what I think? Ojibwe is technically... No, uh, Ojibwe is now also known as Algonquin, so sorry. Uh, and then besides that, there's a couple more, and I can't remember exactly what they were. I was seeing if, like, someone had written it in, like, the Motherland Fort Salem wiki. It doesn't look like anyone took note, which makes me sad. The, the only two I, I really noticed were the, no, I know it's three, the Cherokee, the Navajo, and the Ghibli. Where it was just like, oh, those are cool. And then, like, he kept going. And I was like, I, right Those ones were head. near the end. And it's like, I, the first I must have taken note at the end, not the beginning. Oh, there's a Lakota. Oh, right. He's the second one. Anywho, I apologize. A great blend of nations, though. It, it was, was cool. actually really cool to see. Yeah, it was cool. That was actually something, again, this like made me kind of sad. I was like, I kind of wish we'd gotten something like this in season one. Because this is hella fucking interesting. And it would have been cool to like get a witch more from like the council to be like a main member or like the council family, you know, have, have some tribal representation. It would be intriguing. But except, uh, those from the session of the tribal heritage are exempt from the Salem Accords. 
Yes, I did take note of that, but I thought it would be interesting to see if one like went voluntarily. Kind of a yeah. tally. I think it would be interesting if I feel so bad if we didn't have tally, but we had <laughs> someone similar to tally. <laughs> like, again, that sounds so mean. And I'm just like, I have nothing against tally, but like if this fictional character I'm creating came to pass, we wouldn't need tally. <laughs> True. That would have been interesting, but we're here now. So anywho, so the council actually already decided that, nope, we're just going to send you guys back to D.C. Like, that's what the treaty says. Screw it. You're done for. We don't, we don't believe the Camry are here. Uh, it seems like they don't actually think the Camry are real anymore, let alone in the session, which was sort of a surprise. But, you know, oh, well. Right. I was also, I'm glad Abigail voiced this because I was like, what the fuck? Because we've had like two episodes of build up to get to getting to the council. And then they're like, yeah, we decided like on the way here what we're doing with you. And Abigail said like, why the fuck did you come? And I was like, that has a solid question. This feels like it could have been a call. Like of just like send them home. Like what, what, why are we doing here? To what end? Be all official, whatnot. Oh my god, bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. But I do like because, you know, the group is like respectfully, you're wrong. But Scylla, oddly enough, comes in for the win. She's like, hey, look, okay, so it sounds like you're really debating, like bottom line debate is either keep us here or let us go back or send us back to DC. Can I offer another choice where you just let us go through the session and we can continue out west like we were planning? And then they revote, and hey, that's what they're going to vote on. They're going to be allowed to, like, we're not going to get to it for a while, but they are going to be able to go to uh, their goal is Tally's mom's house in California. Uh, there is, like, as large as this council is, and it's interesting to be found them, there was only like two council members that were actually like, players here uh one of them i believe she's bear killer thelma bear killer um who i cherokee i lovingly noted as septum ring for a long time until i was like oh that's your name cool she has a very prominent septum ring and i also have a septum ring so i was like hey okay um (laughs) who is so young i don't know how she got on this council she looks like she's like their age and I was yes. like, I don't know how you got this position, but sure. Cause you kind of seem like a jerk. Well, cause she's ferocious and she has opinions. I can, I see that as why she has the position. I mean, her name is bear killer. True. I feel like she lives up to it. I think it's just rare in cases of like, you know, this is a democratic council that you're like, you know, who we should put on here? The 19 year old who is known for being stubborn. Like, eh, probably not. And then the other member that talks a lot confused the fuck out of me. I have no idea which tribe she was from, to be honest. But she's like constantly kind of like voting for them and is played like she's a 90 year old woman, but is like definitely a maybe early 40s actress. So uh, this is the one in the pink coat, Millie. Is her name? 
yeah she's like in this little pink sweater and like the glasses with the chain yeah. on it I was like what is going on <laughs> I loved her I don't know what tribe she is from either unfortunately but yeah her name is Millie uh she's just very soft-hearted it seems well she keeps and- comments where she's like I'm too old for this and I'm like you're 40 I think she was probably in her 50s but yeah like I can still see as a not even 30 year old I'm too old for this shit too like let's just cut the bullshit it was just so it was so weird because it felt like I was being gaslit by actors that were like she's a defenseless little old lady and I was like she is not like what is why are you all saying this are you looking at the same woman I am like, I was so confused. Well, an interesting thing that I thought, that's not really a big detail, but again, I saw it. Um, basically, anyone who talks on this council is sitting, because they're arranged sort of in a semicircle. And they have, like, love seat, couch, love seat, chairs, you know, whatever. But anyway, the only three people that ever talk during this session with the group are sitting on the main couch directly in the center, which is, again, Thelma Bear Killer, Millie What's-Her-Face, because that's all we ever get is her name's Millie, and the other lady in the middle who does the presenting for the council, whose name I have no idea, but she was the same person that talked to President Wade in, like, episode three. Like, she was the council's representative to go actually talked away yeah um so i thought that was also kind of an interesting they just centered everybody to make it clean yeah i again i was just i wasn't paying so much attention at some point to the diplomacy because i was just like that is definitely not an old lady what is occurring here <laughs> like, it, hard it held my attention more than it should have <laughs> Oh, goodness. All right. So other things that happened this episode. <laughs> Alder's home, her childhood home is like in the mycelium, I guess. And that's where she takes the stewards of the first song. Oh, and oh, hey, you remember that shepherd boy from when Alder very first just appeared on that random fucking field? Oh, that too. Yeah, that's how it's. So then, uh, it, I didn't even make the connection until you said it earlier for episode four. So she calls them the shepherds of the first song. And I was like, oh, because I thought he was there. I was like, is he, is he had like a, does he have part of the first song and doesn't realize it or what? And then I was like, oh my God, he probably does. The most confusing thing that happened there is she's like, this is my childhood home. And I was like, is this actually your childhood home? Or is this like a, another plane, your home? never really sure but also we meet shepherd boy who immediately like focuses in on kalita and is like are you a shepherd of the first song too and she's like no nah, i'm just here and i was like what are you doing here no are you a shepherd and no i'm not a shepherd like what it was it was weird it was strange I it's was... not actually her childhood home it, that home was burnt however alder recreated it exactly in the mycelium for comfort and whatever it's but she and Kalita strange. have, oh uh, yeah, it is, it is. 
she and Kalita have really good heart to heart, I guess. They open up to each other as survivors and try to trust each other, to learn to trust each other. Yada, yada. Anywho, we have a, a few interplays between uh, Anacostia and Sterling. Hey, they free themselves from the tables. Uh, Kostya takes someone's face in the spree style. I did like this because Anacostia spent a ton of time with Nikta at like season two, beginning of season three. Can't remember. Um, but yeah, season two, she like was on adventures with Nikta for like multiple episodes. So then the way she like breaks them out is spree, basically guerrilla warfare. And Sterling's like, how the fuck are you doing all this? And she's like, I spent way too much time with Nikta. And I was like, ah, this adds up. I like this. It was very helpful. Yeah. I like it when Uh, things have reason. That's also kind of nice, especially in this show. Right? So anywho, uh, main important thing though, we bounce back to the session and the council. They are officially going to let the group go west and they will provide resources, but none of them, rail included, can ever come back to the session. That's the trade-off. And hey, they take it. But also they have to wear collars until Thelma says otherwise, basically. She's not as trusting as the marshal, so you guys just know magic at all. We also get like a weird scene where Millie like comes out and she's like, I was really rooting for you guys. Like, again, it's treated like she's like a kind old like lady who was trying to give them candy. Like she's just like, oh, I really thought I could go in there, but okay, I I should go home and knit now. And she makes like a joke about missing bingo. That's what I mean, where I was just like, who are you? Um, Sorry, she took way too much of my focus. I could tell, my goodness. She's just a cool lady, all right? Jeez. <sighs> okay. Just hold on. Just put her out of your mind. I will not. <laughs> I'm sorry that she... <laughs> Good Lord. She scarred me. Uh... <laughs> I, did th- I did think on the... Uh, sorry, on the Sterling Anacostia escape, one thing I was like, again, a little confused by, but I'm glad they just like, just did away with it is they kidnap a guy to help them get out of the tunnels and everything. And it's just like some tech dude there who keeps like trying to play Anacostia where he's like, I don't know the code. I don't know where we are. And she's like breaks his wrist multiple times to like get him to do things. And then there's a point where there's like an awkward panic button where he's like, I'm gonna go for it. And Sterling just breaks his neck. And I was like, thank God. I was really scared we were gonna go into like the morality of killing this guy who's just the worst. Uh, so I was glad Sterling got a good neck snap in there because I was over it. I was like, yeah, if he thinks he's getting out of here, he's a fucking idiot. Cause like the whole time he's like, just you wait. And I was like, bro, you think you're gonna win this? Like. <laughs> 
And I was really scared they were going to let him. I was like, God, no. No, it was always going to be go until he's not useful anymore. Right? Like, which I get, you know, like, I feel like that, that is the acceptance you kind of eventually have to come to as like a hostage in that situation where you're like, I'm here as long as I'm useful. Um, like probably me just being like, I don't know, spunky for fun is going to lead to more damage before my inevitable death. But man, he was like committed to being an ass. So good old Camarilla. It's just their type. Anywho. So yeah, cancel. See them West. Can't come back to the session. Gotta wear the collars. So uh Tally, you remember she saw that glass break? Well she did save that glass from actually breaking. And now in her haste, in her huff of this decision, Abigail breaks another glass. So bottom line is, hey, what Tally sees is gonna fucking happen. One way or another. We all knew that's how it was gonna go down. It's like Adil shakes the table and Tally catches the glass and it's super exciting and she's like, relief. And then they're in this high tense and Abigail hits the table and the glass breaks and we cut to like Tally being like, oh my God. And I was like, duh. Mm-hmm. duh. But we like, have the confirmed now. Yeah. So Thelma Bear Killer will be their personal escort. Also, fun fact, they'll go to bed and then wait. Anacostia's here? But no, she's not. Just kidding. It's the fucking Camarilla. No idea how that one worked. They used her voice. But it's Tricked like a, ya. it's like a magical voicemail. It's the house intercom system. Yeah. But it's it's very strange because only Abigail hears it. So it's intended that it's like magic at first. But yes. the words that are being spoke by Anacostia in the voicemail are not like witch speech or like far speech or anything. It's just like a recording of Anacostia. So I was like, so does everything any witch say gauge is magic? No, I don't think magic was involved here. Well, because it- Adil doesn't hear it. Okay, they might have had a tether to it at first, but I mean, like when it gets to the recording part, it's actually just everybody hears that. Only only uh, Fort Salem witches hear it. Adil doesn't. Because that's why he follows Abigail is because Abigail's like, you're seriously not hearing this. Like, yeah, you don't hear the buzzing. She yeah. hears the buzzing. But then after that, I thought he heard it. When she gets to the actual intercom and hears, you know, we see the lounge button all lit up where the voice oh, is coming from. Okay. Again, this just confused me where I was like, how did you do this? I don't know exactly either, but anywho. Magic. <laughs> somehow, because they've been recording the witches and isolating their stuff. So somehow, yes. The funny thing is, is I would probably let it fly without bringing it up if it had actually been the witches. But the fact that it's just being done by non-witches who sometimes have insane magical powers. I'm just like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) It's all a lie. (laughs) And Hertz personally is there with his new vocal cords and he uses them. He can only do one thing with them. It's the sky. 
It's so unsettling. It kind of is. <laughs> and also, like, he does it enough where his throat starts bleeding because it's not fully healed. And yeah. it was kind of, uh, it got me for a second because, like, he's doing it and then Abigail points it out. Hey, your stitches are bleeding or whatever she says. Mm-hmm. And he has a moment where her, it looked to me like he has an oh shit moment. I, I thought I, that too. Okay, cool. Because I thought then they were going to be able to use that to, you know, turn the tide and then no. I thought he that just too. Keeps powering through, the blood keeps coming. And then finally, finally, Thelma Bear Killer actually does arrive and saves the day. I totally thought that's how it was going to go down, too, because, like, I, I know none of these crew are, like, the hand-to-hands. Like, M, M was kind of the hand-to-hand. But, you know, they all have, like, hand-to-hand training. So I was like, oh, what they're going to do is try to exhaust him and, like, focus attacks because they can't use magic because they have the collars on, like, on his throat. Like, they're just going to try to, like, choke him or like hit him there to break the stitches because like that it's obviously having issues and they yeah. already took out like four Camarilla agents with literally just their kung fu <laughs> so they can like, obviously do something yeah so it's like oh this is gonna be like their genius turnaround of how they kill hurts but then it never comes up again which again I'm glad you bring this up because that added to my confusion where I was like was I an idiot for thinking that's what was occurring no we were just overly optimistic <laughs> let us write your episodes freeform we can do it we can do it better yeah so they do that Thelma again has this weird where she can't get in and then she does and then like it's fine but Hertz escapes and then we go outside and oh Rail's dad has been captured so his name is Edwin I forgot he was, like, around until this point. I was like, oh, it's you! <laughs> Me too! Uh, but he's defiant and, like, don't give him anything and so they start to, like, cut his throat but then a bunch of alders appear and just, like, evaporate the Camarilla agents except for Hertz and then Hertz escapes bucket again because the hey the mycelium it's still being poisoned at the drill site so that's powering alder and then alder falters and little subtle feature is like at the beginning of this episode so alder has very long hair maybe like four to six inches of it starting from the bottom were white grayish white uh after this incident where the rest of her clones like poof disappear it's like half white at least if not more it's you know to show that the mycelium itself is just fucking dying so yeah poison is spreading through the mycelium and then we cut to you know confirmation that Anacostia and Sterling have escaped that building they run into like an arena that's next door and they see thousands of Camarilla troops just running drills and that's where we end this episode thank you for explaining episode five to me it honestly made more sense coming from you than it did coming from my television I'm so glad let's (laughs) just get the fuck over with just kidding Uh, episode six because this one 
felt like a little bit of a roller coaster. And I, uh, so you're going to start it out. Yeah. And I'm very interested to see how it comes from you because you definitely took the part that I'm like, what, what is this? So please enlighten literally all of us. Nope. I'm here to help. So season three, episode six, book club. Um, the title immediately made me smile. I will get into that in a minute. So we open where a scene where like VP and crew, I don't know if it's his cabinet. I don't know if it's just his Camarilla buddies. Like they're just in like a white conference room chatting. So if you listen <laughs> to the news conference that's going on, like overlaying this, the news report, it's supposed to be like a global summit, but really it's just global cronyism yeah it, it was yeah now president and his right hand brand yep bp sterling and her so they're there and they're just like they're mustache trolling about how they hate witches they're just like ah ha ha how our evil plans have come into place like there is no subtlety here <laughs> again i'm like they're going to hit us over the head with a bat in this episode um Hertz comes kind of like half stumbling, half sadly back in and is like, I got my butt kicked by a bunch of 20 year old girls. And his sister is just like, yeah, because you're a fucking idiot and a failure and mom and dad were right and we hate you. And I was like, it's a very toxic family you come from, my man. Uh, but you're also like an insane douche. So yeah, have as much psychological pain as you'd like. Um but what they do realize from Hertz's report is that the session council was knowingly harboring fugitives of Tally and Rael and Adil and like Scylla and them, which is a breach in the treaty of the session like contract. Again, I don't really know how that treaty or policy or anything works basically the president says things and then everyone's like yeah that's how politics work and i'm like okay uh and that's that's how this episode goes on it, it again feels very much like a dictatorship but sure so they decide that with this newfound information that they have about how like the session fucked them over um they are going to plan and plot and follow through with their original schemes of they wanted to eventually invade the session and now seems like the ideal time mostly because the session is known to house dodgers they are an independent nation within their nation and like vp silver hates them because reasons and so we're gonna invade the session that's that's kind of what comes of that entire meeting uh sterling sorry not sterling hurts still seems like fine after the vocal cord incident but like who, who the frick knows <laughs> i don't know i don't know uh we go back to the session where we get we have our runaway gang still is gone now not Scylla. god nikta wow <laughs> names nikta has bounced and like good we had nothing for her to do it was just she was around and also being played by a different actress it was very strange um it's a weird time all around but basically they decide 
in this moment of, okay, we have to leave the session now. Everything's going down. What are we going to do? We're going to split the party. We're going to split up uh, like uh, Scooby-Doo style. We're going to split up gang. And Abigail, Adil, and Alder are going to go to Fort Salem because Alder's not looking too hot. Kind of looks like she's dying. So they want to get Alder to like the necros and healers at Fort Salem to like get her under control slash check in with Fort Salem because like shit's getting real. She has to go back to the mycelium and that's the closest entrance. Yes. And then Tally wants to go to California to find her mom because now that we know that they have Rael's dad she's scared that they have her mother so she wants to go like get her slash warn her slash get that figured out and no one wants to go with her so she's gonna do it by herself which seemed kind of funny and then Scylla's gonna go with Edwin to uh their their old buddy whose name I did not write down Quinn Quinn yes who was like a Dodger house safe house woman uh, once upon a time, she's going to take Edwin there so he'll be safe and they're going to road trip. And so name of the game is to get Alder to Port Salem, figure out how to save Tally's mom and get Edwin somewhere safe. Break. And I do kind of like exactly what I did is what Abigail does, where she's just like, here is primary goal, secondary goal, third goal. We're splitting up to do it. Let's do this. Like team break. I was like, I love it when Abigail takes charge. So Abigail's team, I'm going to be calling team A for the rest of this because it's all the A names. Everyone else will be their name, but team A is going to be them. So when I say that, know who I'm talking about is my point. So they all split off to do this. Uh, Scylla and Edwin take a uh, bear killer's truck, I believe, or van or of SUV. some form. Yeah, S- SUV. Uh, Tally is just gonna like get out on her own. It's not really described how the fuck she's gonna get to California, but she's gonna get to California. And then they're gonna try to sneak Alder back to Fort Salem, which is thankfully relatively close. Tally has to go halfway across the country, but time means nothing in these transportations, so don't worry about it. She just like gets there. It's, it's very strange. Meanwhile, back at Fort Salem, Anacostia and Sterling have arrived safely. It seems like they got out of the weird facility. They are safe at Fort Salem. Um, They've been debriefed and are kind of being debriefed again by Petra. And they just kind of fill her in on what's going on. They saw an army. There's like all these political powers and energy and money going on here. And they want to help. They are ready and rearing to go, even though like Sterling there might still have a serious kidney wound. But don't worry, he's hopping and biting to go. And they talk about how there will be an invasion and that the witches are going to be ordered to invade the session and there's nothing they can do to deny the order. Anyway, Tally returns home to Northern California. Um, I bring this up specifically because I took offense. Um, for those who have not been listening enough, I'm from NorCal. I've been from NorCal my entire life. I mean, we could say our hometown was a little more central, but. No, it was NorCal. Yeah, it was NorCal. Um, 
And at the beginning, like meeting with the VP when he's just like mustache twirling about their evil plans, um, Silver's like, we've already enacted all these like fantastic liberty, terrifying plans in Northern California where we've just been subjugating witches left and right. And Northern California is responding wonderfully. Rude. But we see Tali return home. And yes, exactly what I said happens, happens. We get hit in the head with how this is a metaphor for Nazism against uh, minorities and the Jewish people during the 1930s slash 40s, where Tali is hiding in the back of like a beat up Ford slash like fruit truck. And she's like hanging out. They're passing by a park and the driver is nice enough to tell us the exposition slash lesson for the day where he's like, oh, that's a witch family over there. You can tell because all witches are required to wear a red collar. And like then police brutality comes down on the witch and she's like, what crime have they committed? And he's like, they don't need to commit a crime. It's just they're a witch and we're scared. And it's like the truck moves on. And I was like, wow, subtle super subtle so basically the red collars are now a metaphor for the star of davids that jews were supposed to wear during basically before world war ii um in addition to every other symbology that if you were like queer gypsy yada yada sorry romney but the time designated gypsy uh were forced to wear during the nazi party come to power during 1930s and it's not subtle um, so she just watches prosecution and is like, that's terrible. And he's like, that's the way of the world. And I was like, okay. But Tally makes it back to her mom, who is under watch by the Camarilla. I'm not sure. Two guys. Yeah, I think it's technically just like quote unquote government, you know, like FBI type, but who really knows but she's got two guards they search the place before whenever she enters yeah it it's very ambiguous and stupid um again it doesn't seem like there is fbi or cia or like any other branch of government around here so it's just like i don't know the camaria are the government now so just they they're supposed to be like SS. They're, they're metaphors for the SS. Um, but also we have no idea who the fuck they actually are. They're just like these guys that hang around her um, and have guns, maybe? Question mark? I don't know. I don't no know. one really has a gun this season. I know that's a weird thing to note, but I thought it would be useful in the last episode. Like, man, it'd be nice if we had a gun. We could just shoot herds. <laughs> yeah, so she gets back to her house. Uh, they almost catch her, but then she they don't do a good enough sweep. It's a real, like, comedy of errors where it's like, oh, the kitchen has two doors. And when she's in the kitchen, they're in the one door. And when they are in the other door, she's in the first door. Very Scooby-Doo. Um... <laughs> So they don't catch Tally, and then Tally reunites with her mom, and her mom's kind of mean. Yeah. <laughs> like, she doesn't seem excited to see her daughter after a few years. 
Well, and we have to remember that, like, she and Tally haven't actually spoken in, like, almost a, a year. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, Tally had basic for about a year, mm-hmm. and then she went through a little bit of war college before she went down, and she stopped talking to her mom sometime in the middle of basic. So yeah. it's been, like, it's been a year or so since they've really talked. And then suddenly there Tally is in her home. It always just seemed to me that Tally's mom, again, this is from the outskirts, the margins. What we've learned about Tally is again, season one info. I can't believe I retain all this. Uh, Tally is the last, the last woman of her family line. Uh, Because the rest of the women in her family, the rest of the witches were basically killed in wars led by Alder. And her mom and her, the sole survivors, Tally actually was allowed not to be in the army because so much of her family is dead. That they were like, if you don't want to also join and die and you want to like go have a life, that's cool. But she decided to join the army anyway. And it felt like her mom just had very um, intense PTSD, which is completely understandable given what this woman's been through. So then when Tally shows up and her mom is just like blatantly terrible to her, I was like, oh, that's not what I thought was going to happen here. But yeah, her mom's like kind of mean and kind of terrible. And Tally's like, look, we got to get you out of here. Like they tried to kill my friend's parent. They're going to try to kill you too. And her mom's like, I can't leave. I have book club this evening. And then Tally gets pissed. Can't tell episode title. And also if anyone out there has watched good girls, it's excellent. Watch it. I have, um, it's a show about women who get involved in organized crime. And whenever they go to do organized crime, which is usually uh, money laundering, they call it book club. They have Mm. book club tonight. So when her mom is like, I have book club, I went, I know what that means. And I felt very in on the scheme immediately. So I don't know if these people have also watched Good Girls, but that is that is my vibe. That's the end of that. Um we get a weird it's not weird we just get a short scene where petra plans how to handle the invasion against the session basically a red suit fat general dude is like we're gonna go in and we're gonna destroy them with a heavy fist and you're gonna use as much brutality as you can and then using deep speech like petra in the backgrounds is like we're not doing that ignore this fucker we're gonna go in we're gonna try to find like my daughter and her crew if they're there bring them to me alive do not engage in anything you have you can get out of just try to make friends have a good day and they all just agree to actively ignore red suit man and i'm like cool again i don't know why she doesn't have like more power here but sure um this is then this whole episode is intercut with what i'm just going to call the Scylla edwin road trip uh, it's Which nice. is completely ignorable except for like two spots. Yeah, it's nice. It's mostly heartwarming, um, but it's just like so unnecessary where it's they're going to go find Quinn and they just poeticize about how much they love Rael. And that's basically the entire trip. They make it to Quinn fine 
and it's nice because like Edwin obviously cares about Scylla too. And like, that's sweet. But also, as I said, Scylla's like an insane mass murderer. And he at one point is like, I don't care what you did in your past. I'm sure once you fell in love with my daughter, it was all washed away. And I'm like, dude, she's done some pretty terrible things. Um, like everyone, in the show is just so forgiving of Scylla. And I was like, I don't think I'm that good of a person. Um, but that's just the Edwin Silla road trip. It's nice. It's fine. Uh, team A returns to Fort Salem where they get Alder to the mycelium and she just like reintegrates with it. She turns into vines and spores and just goes into the mycelium wall and everyone's at all of the matter. Uh, but she has to go heal. And then as they arrive, uh, Abigail runs into Penelope and Penelope like fucking loses it and starts screaming about how Abigail murdered her. Yes, but you were possessed. So like, you know. She still kind of is technically. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, yes, you know, life's, life happens. Roll with the punches. Wade taught us that. Um, that's about all teammates up to at this point. As they get Alder back to mycelium. She disintegrates into mushrooms. A line I never thought I would say. And uh, Team A is now about back at Fort Salem. Abigail and Petra have a nice reunion again. We're also like they're hugging, hugging and Petra's like, Adil, get the fuck in here. And she like group hugs them. It's super cute. I love that for them. Um, finally, in the mycelium world where Raelle is like being held in her childhood bedroom, Scylla makes contact with her through like a flower and just like states how much she loves her and lets her dad talk to her and they say how much they love her until like mycelia mommy dearest shows up and breaks the connection and starts screaming like she's an abuser and it's terrifying and then finally we get back to something slightly interesting which is tally's house again where a bunch of women show up for what we can assume to be book club and they have like a ton of baked goods and Tupperware and they offer it to the two random men keeping guard. One of them accepts. One of them is like, how dare you take things from them? I wouldn't trust them to not poison us. I'm like, true. I would poison you. Um, but then we discover that book club is actually a rebellion cell. What? Oh my gosh. Yes. No one they- saw that coming. They're gonna raid a government building for witch records. Yep. And Tally's gonna go with them just because, like, uh, no, I can't hear about this and not go protect you guys. Like, come on. You're legitimately civilians and I'm a soldier. There's no way I'm not going. So they do go. And you know what? This happens later, but we're gonna squish it all together. Uh... <laughs> And this is honestly, this arc is probably the most exciting part of the whole episode, I think, where they do go into the building and they load up a bunch of the records of just like the witches they've discovered. They load it into a van because they don't want to burn it on site so they don't trigger the alarms. But then (laughs) Tally sees, capital S sees, something important in the basement so she and her mom go check it out and it's brand new collars for everyone to wear but these ones the previous collars you could like remove on your own these ones don't come off so 
they set them all afire and the building will explode. But they still take the records. So, you know, whatever. I was also very confused by that. I was like, cool, you're going to say blow up this building then. <laughs> Good to keep the others busy, I guess. Um, so that was really cool because now they have they have a really cute moment where Tally's mom is freaking out that like, oh, we didn't do enough. Like, we're just going to slow them down, but they're just going to come back harder. And Tally reminds her that like every battle is part of the war. You just got to go battle by battle. We've got this. Yeah. And I, I like. really love that. That was nice. Uh, other things that happened in the rest of this episode, because again, they have a few cut around, so I'm squishing things. So Scylla tells Edwin, again, Rail's dad, uh, the truth that yes, that was Willa that we heard when that connection cut off, talking to Rail. So Willa was in the spree. She did officially, actually for reals, die like <laughs> a little less than a year ago. But hey, it was saving Rael's life. And conveniently, Quinn comes up with, well, can't you just far speak? to her no not everybody's taught spark far speak anymore well back in the day everybody was taught far speak so quinn actually imprinted with willa collar to far speak very conveniently so they hook up they talk to each other uh <laughs> and willa like suddenly appears in the room out of the shroom vines which was quite freaky, I will mm -hmm. say. Bottom line, though, they're not going to release Rael. And even though Scylla begs, no, we're not going to take Scylla with us into the mycelium to be with Rael. It's very strange. Um, it's presented like, you know, like Willa has insane guilt over ditching her daughter and everything for as long as she did and now like it's a mother's only goal in life to protect her children something a line that marvel's trying to do right now with scarlet witch that i fucking hate where it's like any mom who is not the ideal mom is going to go crazy and nuts and she's going to like end the world for the sake of what she's done and i'm like i i swear women are not that insane i i promise you on this fact um but i i didn't like it especially because edwin gives a very heartwarming speech about how it's not willa's place to save rael anymore rael has grown without her and has a new family and a new life one that they're not the part of the way they used to be when she was a tiny child and that's life that's part of raising a child is realizing that they will make connections outside of you and you and, have to let them go yeah you have to let them do that to let them have a life and it's like framed like Willa's in the right though for what she's doing where she's like you're not a mother and I'm like oh my god I hate this like it I don't know it's a little much it, it was a lot and I didn't like it at all 
I just, I, I was not, again, it felt wandering and lost where I was just like, what are we doing here? Like, why are we, why are we doing this? Um, my, my conspiracy theory is Rael didn't want to be in this season as an actress. So she just like, because we haven't seen her in forever. Like, off and doing some other thing yeah we get like one minute scenes with her like every four episodes or something so it's like she filmed these all up front she did not want to be a part of this season um that's my conspiracy theory but yeah it was strange and I didn't like it this is something else I just don't like that was like a realization I had during this entire season remember when people used to die and death meant something not anymore bitches and we came like full Winchester, full supernatural. <laughs> like people are just die and come back around for shits and giggles, which again, it's the last season. It, it's weird that they decide to bring everyone back. Like they need to play with them again. I'm like, what are you really going to do with them? Let them die. Like, oh, you'll see. Okay. <laughs> okay. Anywho. Yeah. So rail will stay. Willa maybe slightly has a change of heart, but not enough to release everything. Anywho. So Willa disappears uh, back at base, actually. You know, Alder had been reabsorbed, but now Abigail and Dill have got to go back to the session, regroup with everybody, and Anacostia will go with them so she can retrieve President Wade, the real president, and they can move from there to reinstate her. Again, now we have the moment where Tal and her mom burn the collars. And then back at home, the group, the whole book club group, manages to get back and pretend like they're an actual book club just in time for their tail agents to barge in and, oh, you guys are actually here and not where we thought you at the burning building. Cool. So that was cool to see, actually. I like that. Uh, Tally also tells her mom about her vision of not the specifics of the world ending, but like, hey, this is a vision that I'm fearful of. And her mom very artfully turns Tally's words against her, like, hey, just every battle in the war and you have to trust yourself when it comes to your visions and your actions that they're making a positive step in the war. And it was a really cute scene to see them kind of come back together after being estranged for a while. And then we cut to another part that I particularly liked. Thelma Bear Killer has a militia. So she turns out she's sort of the paranoid type. So she wasn't sure if it would be like full on U.S. session war or the witches versus civilians or what. But basically, she was prepared just in case because she had a feeling something would fucking go down one way or another eventually. So she has her own militia. And I they're think assembling you like her more than I do. I think I do. Honestly, it all started with the name Selma Bear Killer. I fucking love that. Also, Wade and the Marshal are just not to be found. The Marshal is too good at his job at keeping her hidden. 
Uh, they suspect that there is a leak on the council. There's a turncoat. Yes. So the marshal will not return. Thank you. Yes. That especially. We cut to Alder and Willa are actually uh, ruining all the mine sites around the world for where the Camarilla, the people, whatever, are drilling into the mycelium and poisoning. Now that they've gotten the last one, the mycelium can actually heal. And Alder very artfully actually like shows up at Far Salem, is surrounded by witches, you know, spreads the message that this place will always be for witches and basically witches only, very heartening and conveniently the oversight committee never sees Alder. So Alder has disappeared by the time they are able to penetrate the circle. But we have that wonderfully uplifting message and just confirmation, the revelation that Alder is in fact back from the dead and we can persevere. And that is where the episode ends. I... I guess Alder's uplifting. Everyone seemed to like her more than I did. I feel like if she'd showed up on my campus, I'd be like, fuck, she's back. Um, we definitely elected someone immediately after we said a vote of no confidence into you. So are you going to kill us? Because uh, that is definitely how Alder was like leaving in season two before her death, where she was kicked out of general office because there was a vote of no confidence by the witches. Where they were like, you're insane. And we don't want you to lead us anymore. And now she's returned. And they're like, oh, it's a sign. And I was like, oh, God, I'd scare. I'd be fearing vengeance. My note that I was like, oh, I'll get to at the very end. I'm not crazy. And the reason I also kept uh, harping on little old woman who wasn't a little old woman on the council she was one of the only other council members that is speaking line i'm 98 percent certain she's the turncoat i can see that yep unfortunately she's the only other one there who really had a character that wasn't already like cemented as being a delegate for wade so i don't think it's that one woman who like came and talked to wade because she would have given them away immediately but it wasn't given away till much later so I was like, well, there's only one other named council member there, and it's the 40-year-old they're trying to convince us is 90. <laughs> so, yeah, she's definitely the turncoat. And I assume this is also a way to get Wade off the show so she can go do Abbott Elementary. I mean, the season was ended. This is the final season anyway. So I think they were filming at the same time. Abbott's Elementary is in... Uh, They've, they've been in a couple seasons, so they've been running for a while. Um, but yeah, I, I have little interest in this show anymore. Despite all I said, despite all my like thoughts, which are mostly real world based. And I was like, how dare you insult Northern California? I don't really care. Rail's not really around. Scylla is off on a soul finding mission with random people I don't really care about. Tally and Abigail barely interact anymore. And, um, you know, I was happy Alder was dead. So yeah. it's very hard for me to 
keep moving in a show where the people I liked and the reason I liked it was their friendship is completely taken away from the show. I'm still interested, but I feel I feel the same in those relationship aspects and like Abigail and Bill's relationship that are dancing around and not really doing anything with it. I'm more interested in the thread of honestly, I thought it was cool to see Tally with her mom again. So I'm interested to see maybe what happens next with that. Well, I mean, another thing I could go into that I'm not going to go into like for long is again, it's kind of like a geopolitical statement on the universe. One thing we've always known about Tally and her mom is they live in a um, like women state community. Yeah, it's supposed to be a commune and it doesn't seem like it at all. Yeah, that seems like a plot they dropped. And like even again, they have not watched their own season one. Um, Abigail notes that is it true that like it's illegal for men to enter the commune, which makes it feel like they're a bit of an independent ruling state in some regard. Um, but now they're just kind of like, again, it's like VP silver says we wants, and that's how the world works now. And I'm like this, you used to have way more interest in this show besides just like, now we have a full fledged dictator who, whatever he says becomes reality. Um, yeah. That was a little upsetting to see that point dropped. That seemed interesting. I was excited to see that. And then it was like, it, it seems like they, they didn't want that to be a thing anymore. So they're like, if we don't bring it up again, they won't notice. Um, I noticed. Yeah, you always notice weird things. So uh-huh. I tend to notice <laughs> world building because I like to know what the rules of the world is that I am watching. And so when they tend to just be like, we made rules, but now we don't like them. I'm like, well, sucks. Yeah. (laughs) To that point, I do agree. But they've been doing that, honestly, since season one. So yeah, old news at this point. No, I am actually interested to see sort of like that Wade thread. And as we can tell from this episode, I am just enamored with the session and the council and Thelma Bear Killer. And it's little bits like that that I'm interested to see. There's no like overarching thread or what anything close to what I would describe as an A plot for this series. But those B and C plots are kind of coming in clutch for me. So I'm not adverse to starting the next episodes. We'll put it that way. I don't really even know what the A plot is. I think the most interesting thing I'm intrigued by was the prophecy of the union of earth and sky. Because I liked Abigail and Adil. But now they're just like, oh, it just means like them having a kid. It's going to be like the end of things for the status quo. I'm like, they're not going to follow that through till the last episode where it's going to be something like Abigail takes power or something to some regard and makes small waves in the status quo because now that she knows what she's fighting for, yada, yada, it's going to be some Carnival Row bullshit. And if you guys haven't seen Carnival Row, sorry, but that's my best comparison. (laughs) 
they did a similar thing there where season one they introduced a prophecy where they were like your son will be like make the greatest changes the world has ever seen and then we followed the son for two seasons and at the end he was just like the status quo is bullshit i'm not gonna change it but we should all accept that and that was the end of the series yeah, they were falling apart for sure. Yeah, and oh yeah, that's that show was hella falling apart by that point. They, that's a whole um, that's a whole instruction book of how to run a show into the ground as fast as possible. But I can feel those notes there here too, where it's going to be like, we made this prophecy. What does it mean? It's going to be like Abigail tells us the audience that bigotry is wrong because the union made her feel it and then she'll she'll say it out loud and people (laughs) will feel bad and and that's how i feel this is gonna end well we shall see if i had to make uh guesses now i'm gonna say hertz is gonna die the blonde is gonna die his sister Yes, I don't think VP Silver is going to die because that's why Penelope's back is he's going to realize how much he loves her and she's going to be like, dad, I'll save you. And then like, he's going to have this big, I'm sorry moment. And everyone's going to forget that he's like racist and genocidal. I could honestly see though, she's going to have one of those, like you fucking poisoned me. And then she's going to freak out and kill him. I don't think they remember that he like poisoned Probably her. not because no. that would be too poetic. But- yeah. I'd like to see it. That'd be nice. I'd like to see that too. I don't think they're going to remember it though. Cause then like Wade's going to come back around and be like, you are not my VP anymore, but I respect that you thought you were doing the right thing. And that's how like, we're going to end the VP story. Wade's maybe prom president and Petra and Abigail are going to take power of the military. Cause that whole system say, stay standing. It's going to be like, that is for the best of our nation. And then the session's going to keep being, we're going to say keep the status quo. We're going to do what we did in season one. We're going to start right back where we were in season one, minus Alder, who's they become part of the mycelium because she's now the mother to us all. Those are my predictions. Is that you could have not watched the show. Uh, anywho, <laughs> I'm just going to cut it off right there. Uh, Those predictions sound fairly accurate. I can see and also not see. So I don't necessarily have anything else to add, unfortunately, you know, as per usual. So anywho, I'm going to move right along because that's me. Well, so soon my, we'll know if I'm right. So yeah, <laughs> my darling witch on the couch. What have you been drinking tonight? Uh, so starting out the night, we've been recording for a bit. I actually started with my staple, my favorite, my gin and tonic. Um, but we've been recording for a while and I knew we had to get through a lot of episodes of bullshit. So I have since moved on to a nice chilled red where I have been sitting since from obsidian from where I just took you recently for wine tasting. So nice. Yes. It has been enough to get me through the episodes that I could have cared less about. Good. Thank you. Hallelujah. Anyway, Jade, what have you been drinking tonight? I also went with my classic. I had a margarita. I love that we both did that finally together. This episode's old school. My God. Wow. Ah! (laughs) That's awesome. 
Oh, I love that. The little us. things that really get me through life. Yeah, I love that for us. That's so nice. Uh, yeah. Hey, so if the little things are not getting you through life, dear listener, so if you're so deep, dark down, that you're contemplating suicide. I don't care what you think. It's not the answer ever. Never. It's so difficult to do, but it does help little by little talking about it, talking about the issues. So uh, one way is the suicide hotline. You can both call and text 988 to connect with the suicide hotline and start that conversation about your issues. You can also text a general crisis counseling hotline at the number 741-741. They are also available 24 seven to talk to somebody that way. You can also walk into an ER and tell them you're having suicidal ideations and they get you checked in talking to someone as well. There's options. Again, so hard to talk about it, but every little itty bitty bit is a step in the right direction. So please make that effort. It doesn't seem like it, but the world is better off with you in it. And with you listening to this, we love you all. Thank you everyone to listening to our ramblings of season three. Thankfully, we only really have one to two more episodes on this. I think we're going to do another three episode block and then devote one episode to the finale entirely. So we can really just um, get it out of our systems. I can't promise you that final episode will be long or enthused, but I can promise you it will be here. And that's about all we can say on that. Uh, Thank you everyone for listening. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can always engage with us on Instagram where we are also just witches on the couch. Please make sure to like, subscribe, comment, review, do whatever you have to do to help other wandering witches find our podcast. We've had a pretty wonderful time despite it all. And we will see y'all next time. Bye you guys. Bye.